Pastor Xavier Reese and the simple truths of walking by faith, not by sight. Sometimes God tells you and tells me, I'm going to do this in your life. And so we start figuring out, say, well, okay, he's going to do this and that. And then he does it a whole different way. And then when he does it a whole different way, we say, Lord, I can't believe it. How come? God throws curves in my life all the time. And we go back to Isaiah, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Jesus took three of the apostles up to the Mount of Transfiguration to give them a first-hand view of the purity of His divine glory. But rather than clear matters up concerning His second coming, like with many other teachings of Jesus, the disciples only became more mystified. But in our Simple Truth study from the Gospel of Mark, Pastor Xavier explains how Jesus' followers came down from the mountaintop experience with a much more vivid appreciation for how God's ways are much higher than our ways. Let's listen. Mark chapter 9. Jesus is about six months away from the cross. He has been spending time with His disciples. He has declared that the Father has revealed to Peter that He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And that flesh and blood did not reveal this to Him, but it's a revelation by God. Quickly after that, Jesus revealed that He was going to go to Jerusalem to suffer at the hands of the religious rulers and be rejected. Peter didn't like that. It didn't fit into his brain, his theology. So he rebuked Jesus. And Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan. And so Jesus said that he did not discern the things of God and the things of man. Because I can understand certain things doesn't mean I understand all things. Because God allows me to have wisdom in a situation doesn't mean the wisdom will be there automatically through the next situation. When I would come proudful and presumptuous, then I walk in the flesh. And it really isn't that God has failed me, it's that I have failed to depend upon God. And I'm trying to figure things out in my own ability. He has revealed the cost of discipleship. Everything looked good so far. But he started laying down some real marks of discipleship in terms of what the cost would be. And he finishes that discourse at the end of chapter 8 declaring that those who would be ashamed of him during this lifetime, he himself would be ashamed of them at his coming in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. He's speaking about the second coming to set up the kingdom, not the rapture of the church. Because what was their mind? Their mind was the Messiah is here, we're going to Jerusalem, and he's going to set up the kingdom. That's why Peter rebuked Jesus, because Jesus says, hey, I'm going to die. He says, oh, come on, Jesus, you're going to bum the disciples out. What's the matter with you? I mean, we've left all. We're trying to hang in there. You're not helping us, Lord. Peter was serious. Why? Because he had things figured out in his own mind. And it is from this context of the second coming that he moves right into their application in verse 1 of chapter 9. He says, and he said to them, the disciples, Assuredly, I say to you that there are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present with power. Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John 
and led them up onto a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His clothes became shining exceedingly white like snow, such as no launderer on earth can whiten them. And Elijah appeared to them with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here, and let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Because he did not know what to say, for they were greatly afraid. And a cloud came and overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. Suddenly, when they had looked around, they saw no one anymore, but only Jesus with themselves. Now as they came down from the mountain, he commanded them that they should tell no one these things that they had seen, till the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept this word to themselves, questioning what the, the rising from the dead meant. And they asked him, saying, Why did the scribes say that Elijah must first come? Then he answered and told them, Elijah does come first and restores all things. And how is it written concerning the Son of Man that he must suffer many things to be treated with contempt? But I say to you that Elijah has also come, and they did to him whatever they wished, as it is written of him. Jesus is showing to the disciples here that what they think they understand, they don't totally understand. I think that Jesus would say that to you and to myself this morning. That which we think we understand completely, we don't understand completely. I've entitled the message, A Mountaintop Experience. Everybody needs mountaintop experiences, whether it's in a literal mountain when you go to a retreat or you're off by yourself with the Lord. But a time when God ministers to you and deals with your heart and, 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 and just ministers to you and you know that you have been with God on a very intimate personal level and he's dealt with you they're glorious times now that doesn't mean that you're going to know anything much better than you did because we walk by faith and not by sight whenever the pulpit or a preacher or a radio program or a TV program declares to be Christian and brings you from the level of faith to reason, they have just brought you down to inferiority. Faith and reason cross at times, but they're exclusive. And when you start figuring out God in the way of reason all the time, you have just left the superior sphere of faith and you've come to an inferior sphere of reason. Jesus declared as those who believe and haven't seen are more blessed. And yet today's push is for us to know and understand and to walk by our brains and our feelings. Take note also that even though they went up to a mountain experience, they came down. Mountain experiences are tremendous. But I always have to come down. Jesus went up on the Sermon on the Mount. Tremendous teaching. But when he came down, a leper was waiting for him. Jesus took them up here to the mountain. What privilege. But when they came down, there were needs. 
there was conflict. God will allow you and myself to have those mountaintops experiences as we wait upon him. But then he has us come down and live in the valley. That's where life is lived out, people. Too often we allow the message of the gospel to be that we live in the mountaintops. I wish I did. I live in the valley. And it's scary sometimes. And that's why David says, even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That's where we're at. And here it is, these guys, they think they have it all wired. They have their Jewish theology all down. Messiah's coming because the Jews saw only two ages, the age present and the age to come. The age present was evil, fallen, decay. Man was ruling. The age to come, the Messiah would come, set up the kingdom, destroy the Roman Empire. Hey, we're all for it. And here he is, he's winding down, he's coming to Jerusalem, and they're saying, we're going to go rule, we're going to go reign. But Jesus just says, I'm going to go suffer. And, G and Peter rebukes him. Now all of a sudden, he's going to take him to a mountain and he's going to let Jesus, he's going to let himself be seen for who he really is. See, they thought they knew who Jesus was. They saw his physical body. They saw him as a man. And yet they believe he was God because God had revealed it. But they really hadn't seen Jesus. And he's going to take him up to this mountain and they're going to see him exactly who he is, God, in all his glory. They're going to see him in capsule form in the future, the second coming. Now, how can you handle that? <laughs> how do you identify it? How do you describe it? What privilege? In verse 1, we have the amazing proclamation. He said to them with this backdrop of the second coming, Assuredly, I say to you that there are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present with power. Now this turned them on. I am sure. Peter got a revelation. Blessed thou art, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I, I say thy name is Petros, and upon this Petra, this rock, that I am the Son of the living God, I will build my church. And the keys of the kingdom I will give to you. And so Peter opened up the day of Pentecost. Peter went to the house of Cornelius. And Peter was a great man. He was used by privilege by God a lot. And all of a sudden Jesus says, hey, there's some of you standing here who are not going to die physically before you see the kingdom of God present already here. Now Peter's up again. Hey, I was right. We are going to set up the kingdom. <laughs> and yet that's not what he was talking about. He was talking about having them seen the kingdom thousands of years before its fulfillment. But how would you understand it if you were there? I would have understood the same way. Hey, I'm not going to die. That means it's going to be pretty soon. Notice that he says, till they see the kingdom of God present with power. The word present means having come, already come. In other words, they would see that preview of the millennial setting up or the second coming to set up that millennial kingdom. They would actually see it before they died. They can conclude nothing else. But Jesus had something else in mind. And sometimes God tells you and tells me, I'm going to do this in your life. And so we start figuring out, say, well, okay, he's going to do this and that, you know, and, he's, and, 
And then he does it a whole different way. And then when he does it a whole different way, we say, Lord, I can't believe it. How come? And we go back to Isaiah. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. God throws curves in my life all the time. Because he's sovereign. He's the potter. I'm the clay. And I cannot stand up and say, well, Lord, you know, what are you doing? You know, I don't want to be a cup. I want to be a spittoon. I mean, he does what he wills. And I can't argue with him. But yet at times as Christians, we do argue with him, don't we? Because we've got him all wired. We've got the program down. And so the amazing proclamation, hey, they were excited. In verse 2, down to verse 8, you have the heavenly visitation. They were anticipating... Pastor Xavier Reese and the simple truths of walking by faith, not by sight. Sometimes God tells you and tells me, I'm going to do this in your life. And so we start figuring out, say, well, okay, he's going to do this and that. And then he does it a whole different way. And then when he does it a whole different way, we say, Lord, I can't believe it. How come? God throws curves in my life all the time. And we go back to Isaiah. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Jesus took three of the apostles up to the Mount of Transfiguration to give them a first-hand view of the purity of His divine glory. But rather than clear matters up concerning His second coming, like with many other teachings of Jesus, the disciples only became more mystified. But in our Simple Truth study from the Gospel of Mark, Pastor Xavier explains how Jesus' followers came down from the mountaintop experience with a much more vivid appreciation for how God's ways are much higher than our ways. Let's listen. Mark chapter 9. Jesus is about six months away from the cross. He has been spending time with His disciples. He has declared that the Father has revealed to Peter that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And that flesh and blood did not reveal this to him, but it's a revelation by God. Quickly after that, Jesus revealed that he was going to go to Jerusalem to suffer at the hands of the religious rulers and be rejected. Peter didn't like that. It didn't fit into his brain, his theology. So he rebuked Jesus. And Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan. And so Jesus said that he did not discern the things of God and the things of man. Because I can understand certain things doesn't mean I'll understand all things. Because God allows me to have wisdom in a situation doesn't mean the wisdom will be there automatically through the next situation. When I would come proudful and presumptuous, then I walk in the flesh. And it really isn't that God has failed me, is that I have failed to depend upon God. And I'm trying to figure things out in my own ability. He has revealed the cost of discipleship. Everything looked good so far. But he started laying down some real marks of discipleship in terms of what the cost would be. And he finishes that discourse at the end of chapter 8, declaring that those who would be ashamed of him during this lifetime 
he himself would be ashamed of them at his coming in the glory of his father with the holy angels. He's speaking about the second coming to set up the kingdom, not the rapture of the church. Because what was their mind? Their mind was the Messiah's here, we're going to Jerusalem, and he's going to set up the kingdom. That's why Peter rebuked Jesus, because Jesus says, hey, I'm going to die. He says, oh, come on, Jesus, you're going to bum the disciples out. What's the matter with you? I mean, we've left all. We're trying to hang in there. You're not helping us, Lord. Peter was serious. Why? Because he had things figured out in his own mind. And it is from this context of the second coming that he moves right into their application in verse 1 of chapter 9. He says, And he said to them, the disciples, Assuredly I say to you that there are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present with power. Now after six days Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up onto a high mountain apart by themselves and he was transfigured before them. His clothes became shining exceedingly white like snow, such as no launderer on earth can whiten them. And Elijah appeared to them with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here, and let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Because he did not know what to say, for they were greatly afraid. And a cloud came and overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved son. Hear him. Suddenly, when they had looked around, they saw no one anymore, but only Jesus with themselves. Now as they came down from the mountain, he commanded them that they should tell no one these things that they had seen, till the Son of Man had risen from the dead." So they kept this word to themselves, questioning what the, the rising from the dead meant. And they asked him, saying, Why did the scribes say that Elijah must first come? Then he answered and told them, Elijah does come first and restores all things. And how is it written concerning the Son of Man that he must suffer many things to be treated with contempt? But I say to you that Elijah has also come, and they did to him whatever they wished, as it is written of him. Jesus is showing to the disciples here that what they think they understand, they don't totally understand. I think that Jesus would say that to you and to myself this morning. That which we think we understand completely, we don't understand completely. I've entitled the message... A mountaintop experience. Everybody needs mountaintop experiences, whether it's in a literal mountain when you go to a retreat or you're off by yourself with the Lord. But a time when God ministers to you and deals with your heart and, 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 and just ministers to you and you know that you have been with God on a very intimate, personal level and He's dealt with you. They're glorious times. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to know anything much better than you did. Because we walk by faith and not by sight. Whenever the pulpit or a preacher or a radio program or a TV program declares to be Christian and brings you from the level of faith to reason, they have just brought you down to inferiority. Faith and reason cross at times. 
but they're exclusive. And when you start figuring out God in the way of reason all the time, you have just left the superior sphere of faith and you've come to an inferior sphere of reason. Jesus declared this, those who believe and haven't seen are more blessed. And yet today's push is for us to know and understand and to walk by our brains and our feelings. Take note also that even though they went up to a mountain experience, they came down. Mountain experiences are tremendous. But I always have to come down. Jesus went up on the Sermon on the Mount. Tremendous teaching. But when he came down, a leper was waiting for him. Jesus took them up here to the mountain. What privilege. But when they came down, there were needs. There was conflict. God will allow you and myself to have those mountaintops experiences as we wait upon him. But then he has us come down and live in the valley. That's where life is lived out, people. Too often we allow the message of the gospel to be that we live in the mountaintops. I wish I did. I live in the valley. And it's scary sometimes. And that's why David says, even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That's where we're at. And here it is, these guys, they think they have it all wired. They have their Jewish theology all down. Messiah's coming because the Jews saw only two ages, the age present and the age to come. The age present was evil, fallen, decay. Man was ruling. The age to come, the Messiah would come, set up the kingdom, destroy the Roman Empire. Hey, we're all for it. And here he is, he's winding down, he's coming to Jerusalem, and they're saying, we're going to go rule, we're going to go reign. But Jesus just says, I'm going to go suffer. And, G and Peter rebukes him. Now all of a sudden, he's going to take him to a mountain and he's going to let Jesus, he's going to let himself be seen for who he really is. See, they thought they knew who Jesus was. They saw his physical body. They saw him as a man. And yet they believed he was God because God had revealed it. But they really hadn't seen Jesus. And he's going to take him up to this mountain and they're going to see him exactly who he is, God, in all his glory. They're going to see him in capsule form in the future, the second coming. Now, how can you handle that? <laughs> how do you identify it? How do you describe it? What privilege? In verse 1, we have the amazing proclamation. He said to them with this backdrop of the second coming, Assuredly, I say to you that there are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present with power. Now this turned them on. I am sure. Peter got a revelation. Blessed thou art, Simon by Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I, I say thy name is Petros, and upon this Petra, this rock, that I am the Son of the living God, I will build my church. And the keys of the kingdom I will give to you. And so Peter opened up the day of Pentecost. Peter went to the house of Cornelius. And Peter was a great man. He was used by privilege by God a lot. And all of a sudden Jesus says, hey, there's some of you standing here who are not going to die physically before you see the kingdom of God present already here. Now Peter's up again. Hey, I was right. We are going to set up the kingdom. 
And yet that's not what he was talking about. He was talking about having them seen the kingdom thousands of years before its fulfillment. But how would you understand it if you were there? I would have understood the same way. Hey, I'm not going to die. That means it's going to be pretty soon. Notice that he says, till they see the kingdom of God present with power. The word present means having come, already come. In other words, they would see that preview of the millennial setting up or the second coming to set up that millennial kingdom. They would actually see it before they died. They can conclude nothing else. But Jesus had something else in mind. And sometimes God tells you and tells me, I'm going to do this in your life. And so we start figuring out, say, well, okay, he's going to do this and that, you know, and, he, and, and then he does it a whole different way. And then when he does it a whole different way, we say, Lord, I can't believe it. How come? And we go back to Isaiah. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. God throws curves in my life all the time. Because he's sovereign. He's the potter. I'm the clay. And I cannot stand up and say, well, Lord, you know, what are you doing? You know, I don't want to be a cup. I want to be a spittoon. I mean, he does what he wills. And I can't argue with him. But yet at times as Christians, we do argue with him, don't we? Because we've got him all wired. We've got the program down. And so the amazing proclamation, hey, they were excited. In verse 2, down to verse 8, you have the heavenly visitation. They were anticipating 